0: Good evening, everyone. My name is Geram, and I uh, will be reading tonight from the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 1 to 15. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is required to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Amen. Thank you so much, Jeram. I've got to tell you, well let me start first and foremost I suppose by welcoming you also to church this evening and I have to say it is an absolute delight to be here and I have to say, it's particularly significant for me uh, right now to to actually be gathered in the auditorium at Sunnybanks Church and uh, having an audience, Uh, this hasn't happened for me for about, uh, or a congregation I should say, Uh, this hasn't happened for about uh, six months and uh, it's quite significant and significant for you too because this is happening because we're looking to return physically to church and as we return physically this is part of what we need to do we need to sort a few things out so I ask that you continue to pray for us and for the tech people and for the worship teams involved and the pastors as they come back but as we look to return we've been examining a number of different available options and we've either been going with those options or we've been eliminating them as we found that they don't do or don't comply with the industry plan that we will be working with so as I say continue to pray Pray for that but this is the first time we've been able to do something like this where people are actually looking back at me uh, since March poor Callie has been the only one who's uh, had to do that and uh, been available and I can't say that this isn't much because it's hugely significant I am delighted to be here doing this right now and hopefully God willing soon with his continued grace favor guidance and empowering we will be having physical services here very very soon And today's passage, as we move into it, highlights something that has crept into so many churches uh, throughout uh, Australia and indeed the whole world. And all through Galatians up to this point, Paul has been emphasizing that um, the course and direction that these believers are considering is not of Christ. He's saying that those who've come into their midst are teaching them a false doctrine in this chapter he's emphasizing the freedom that is obtained in christ it's a freedom that liberates from all bondage the bondage of the law the bondage of sin the bondage of community conformity restrictions religious and otherwise and although the focus of this passage is the on a call to be circumcised and to obey the torah the same attitude of trust Uh, in or on anything else and submission to something other than the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross is very prevalent in churches today. And as I prepared for this message, I listened and read many commentaries and sermons and something that rang true for me was uh, something, uh, a story that a guy called Kyle Alderman uh, actually spoke about. It was about a man who had returned to church after being absent for two decades. And as he spoke to this man, this man said that he wasn't so sure he would be back to this particular church because the reason for that was the same reason he left the church two decades ago. And when he was asked what that was, he said, The message that I hear as people speak to me in church is, Thanks for playing. Let's meet again next week. Now, of course, they weren't the literal words that were spoken. But what was said was that we should all try a little harder. We should all pray a little harder. We should all read the Bible a little bit more. It was a message about the effort that was needed in order for us to get our lives in the correct place that they should be with Jesus Christ. But people, we have been set free to live free. It's a call to live counterculturally as sons and daughters of the Most High God. It's about knowing and loving God in such a way that we live out our lives honoring and glorifying Him. What we do is a reflection of the incredible love, grace, and mercy that He's poured out upon us. I'm not sure how many of you remember a group called the Paul Coleman Trio. They did this song called Sun, Moon, and Stars. And one of the lines is, I want to be the moon because it reflects the sun. And that's what our lives as Christians should be all about. We should want to reflect Jesus. We should want to be showing him to everyone around us by how we live. And that doesn't happen by trying harder, by doing things. We are set free from that type of thinking. We don't have to measure up to a standard. It never has been, never will be about how much we try. It's about who we rely on. The good news of the gospel is about the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. There is nothing more we need to do, nothing more we can do, except believe in that and rely on the power of Holy Spirit who is freely given to us. That's what the Galatians and what so many today are missing. Let's just pause and pray. Father God, I want to thank you first and foremost that I am standing in an auditorium with a few people here. Father, what an incredible blessing. And Lord, again, I ask for your favor. I ask you to go with us and before us as we plan to come back as a physical church. I ask for your blessing upon that, Lord. But Lord, today, for everyone who hears my voice, I ask for the truth and reality of your word to come through. I ask that you challenge people through power of Holy Spirit. I pray that people will know the truth of the word that has been spoken today. Thank you for challenging me. I pray you'll do the same for the others that are hearing my voice also. In Jesus' name, amen. For all believers, we need to keep in mind that who we are and who God intends us to be are people who have been transformed and will continue to be transformed by what lies at the very center of the gospel message, the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. And this is what Paul calls the Galatians back to. He wants them to know that Christ has set them free. Man, I'm back on stage and it's happening already, trying to change the PowerPoints. That's all cool. It'll keep happening. It would have been better for you at home. The first verse gives us the main theme or idea for the rest of the chapter that we're going to be covering. Back in Galatians 2.4, Paul mentions that the false teachers came to spy on the believers and the freedom that they had in order to bring them back into slavery. But he wants these believers to understand what jesus has done for them and paul's desire is to point out what happened for the galatians he couldn't spell it out more clearly than he does here christ has set us free that's clearly said in verse one it always says the reason he jesus set us free was so that we could be free it is for freedom that christ set us free We were in bondage, slaves to sin and death, and our freedom was bought at great cost. Our Jesus, the Son of God, suffering like no man ever has before, nor ever will again, at the hands of his creation, willingly submitted himself to the shame of the cross to win our freedom. And Paul is saying to us and the Galatians, you heard this message, you believed it, you must stand firm. That is the only right response. Believe it, claim it, never let anyone take this freedom from you. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And the yoke of slavery that the Galatians were considering was a belief that they had to be circumcised to be true believers. It is the first step for the Galatians to fall into the same legalistic trap that the Pharisees had fallen into. And remember, Paul was a Pharisee. He understood the futility of attempting to live by the law in order to be acceptable in God's eyes. And Paul knows true freedom and acceptance before God can only come through Jesus Christ. And he says, and he sees the Galatians turning, believing and pursuing a path of human effort, Which, in all honesty, if we accept that way of thinking, if the Galatians accept that way of thinking, it says that they believe Jesus Christ is not enough. But Paul says, Righteousness is by faith only. False teachers teachers had come into the Galatian churches. The teaching they were bringing indicated basically that if you wanted to be a good Christian in right standing, then first and foremost, you needed to be a good Jew. And the first step in order to be a good Jew is to be circumcised. And where it says here, look, I, Paul, or behold, or mark my words, or now, or whatever it is that your Bible actually says at the start of verse 2, it's an indication of Paul's impassioned personal plea to the Galatians. He doesn't use this expression anywhere else in Galatians. It's that word that is often translated, behold. And what it does, it causes people to pay attention to what is being said. It's like saying, listen to me, this is very important. And this is the way Paul starts off verse 2. Paul says, if you are receiving or accepting circumcision, Christ is of no advantage to you. Just let that sink in for a bit. The message the Galatians had received about Jesus was that he had paid all their debts on the cross. They had been freed from the consequence of their sin. The judgment that was rightfully theirs and rightfully all of mankind's was placed on Christ so the Galatians and us could be found in a right relationship with God. And if they received circumcision if they decide it's a necessary part of their salvation, as these false teachers were trying to say, then they nullify the work of Christ. Their very lives and actions show that they believe that all Jesus did was insufficient to save them. Their hope is no longer in the work of Christ. It now becomes about what they can do in order to earn God's blessing. They're elevating the beliefs and teaching of men above the very word of God. They've taken on the work that is rightfully Christ and believe that their actions can win them God's favor. But that's simply not possible unless they perfectly keep the law, all of it. And no one can do that. No one can keep all of the rules because no one can be righteous before God when the Galatians were incapable of helping themselves, they heard the message of Jesus. And it was Jesus who kept all of the rules. It was Jesus who took their sins upon himself. It was Jesus who endured the punishment that was rightfully theirs, rightfully mine, for all of the rule-breaking and all of the sin we have all ever done. If they choose circumcision, they're enslaving themselves once more. The power of the cross is denied. So what would be the point of following Jesus? The choice to be circumcised is to submit to the law, and all that entails... And by doing that, the Galatians are convicted. They're found guilty again, and they're severed from Christ. They will fall from grace. Their attitudes and actions would have denied the power of Christ's salvation. And if they do that, what else can save them? And so Paul pleads. It's interesting that as I read through Galatians in my mind, I hear Paul's voice change at this point in verse 7. It becomes tender. It becomes pleading. He he wants to draw the Galatians back to what they once heard. And I can hear that in the words as I read them. And he says, You were running so well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from he who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And Paul's plea is that the Galatians will think about who it was who called them. He wants them to listen to God's voice. He says they were running so well. It means that they heard the gospel message and they responded to that. More than that, they were eagerly submitting to Jesus and growing daily in faith. But then something happened. Their growth as disciples had been hampered. And Paul is calling their attention to this fact. He asks them, who was it that hindered or hampered you? And it's interesting, the word that is used here is actually a military term. And and, and the word actually means to break up the roads in an effort to obstruct an army that was advancing. And so Paul is saying, who obstructs you from obeying the truth of Jesus Christ? And he says, it cannot be the one who called you. It is not from him. And because it's not from him, it should be rejected, even if they use persuasive language, even if what they say may sound right. And think about the very argument that's being presented to them. The initial call seems to be for them to be circumcised, just as God commanded in the Old Testament for the Jews to do, for the followers of God. And the command of God to be circumcised was actually not a bad thing. But what the Galatians and us need to be aware of is that even good things can be misused or abused. I want you to think about Satan when he was tempting Jesus. We have this account in Scripture. And Satan used the very word of God against Jesus. And in the case that we're looking at this evening, the Old Testament command to be circumcised is being used as a requirement to be saved. And it never was nor ever will have the power to save. And Paul alludes to the fact that the lump, oh sorry, if we accept even a little of the false teaching and misrepresentation of God and His teaching, it provides a foothold which will ultimately lead us away from the one true gospel. It's the leaven, which although only small, will eventually permeate the whole day. And Paul alludes to the fact that the lump is the Galatian church and the leaven is the false teachers. If they remain, they will affect the whole church. And it's a call to the Galatians, to all believers, to learn to distinguish between those who are teaching the truth and those who are false teachers. And obviously, Paul is concerned for the church. But look at where his confidence lies. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. And Paul's confidence is not in the ability of those in the church to distinguish right or wrong. He is confident in who they are in Christ. He believes in the ministry of Holy Spirit that as these men and women seek the Lord, His will and His purpose, they will be able to discern through His promptings who is speaking truth and who is trying to mislead them. And it's a call, again, not to base our decisions as a believer on our wisdom or understanding, but to seek the wisdom and understanding of God. And Paul had previously called the Galatians to stand firm. And this is a call to stand upon the truth of the gospel message that they had received, a message that is offensive. And why is that? It's because the finished work of the cross stands against all the efforts of man, the efforts to live good enough lives, to attain salvation in any other way in relying on religious ritual or ceremony none of this has any merit or worth when compared to the irreplaceable power of the cross in defeating the lost state of man Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees he knew the law inside out he was circumcised and he'd use circumcision when needed but he stands on and believes none of those things for his salvation he surrenders and gives up all of that as a result Of the revelation of the power of the cross the atoning death of jesus christ and the consequent freedom that paul has experienced in jesus paul and millions of others myself included have found christ is enough and paul's desire for those who believe and teach otherwise is that they would mutilate themselves and what he's basically saying is don't just be circumcised castrate yourself And the very real understanding here is that these people should be cut off. They should be cast out from the church. And his point is that the law is far too weighty for anyone to be able to fulfill. That was done by Jesus alone. So our only hope is in the finished work of Christ. The Galatians and all believers are to hold fast to He who called us. We know Him and He knows us. And when we know Him, We will strive towards unity through loving and serving each other. There's some who believe that the freedom that comes through Christ allows them to do whatever they want. It's like they gain this license to sin. After all, God is gracious, all loving and forgiving. But that is not the message of the gospel. Gospel gospel freedom is not about gaining freedom to constantly sin. It's a call to loving service. If you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Genuine believers are humble, appreciative, thankful for all Christ has done, and it changes them. They want to serve him gladly. They want to obey him and reflect God's love to the world, a love and forgiveness they have personally experienced and value so much. They just can't keep it to themselves. They have to tell others. And they share that love freely. It's clearly evident in their lives. Lives that seek to encourage, build up, strengthen, and bring unity. They turn away from gossip. They turn away from slander and ungodly speech and actions that do not honor and glorify God. They are men and women who constantly reflect on the cross of Christ and His intervention in their lives while they were yet sinners. They know the immensity of His love. And they look to their days, knowing that whatever they face, He will go with them and before them. He will never leave them, never forsake them. They delight in the giving of themselves, all they have, all they are, all they ever will be. Not because they have to, not because they're being forced to, but because they understand who they were before Christ. And they so appreciate all He has done for them. But there are others. And Paul speaks about them. He says, if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. These are the ones who are constantly, we are constantly warned about in Scripture, false teachers, troublemakers, those who stir up others over matters that have no relevance to the advancement of the gospel. And Paul says, watch out, they're amongst you. Don't get caught up in their tactics. Name them for who and what they are, but deal with them. The leaven will affect the whole dough if it isn't removed. Those who are bound by the law, by law-based ration, sorry, are easily recognized. They're the ones who justify their ungodly actions. They will constantly deflect responsibility for those same actions on others or situations or circumstances. They have great difficulty in apologizing because they see themselves as right, always. They will be caught up in comparison and so many other traps that prove their enslavement. And the Galatians were considering a course of action that was not of Christ. And I want to ask, is there anything in our lives that causes us to live in a way that is not of Christ? Remember the freedom we have in Christ. It's a freedom that liberates us from all bondage. And for us, I think we need to think about the bondage of our community or world or whatever. Those things that are placed upon us that hold us back. Are we experiencing the true freedom that can be found in Christ? Has this freedom been so profound in your life, so transformational that we know it and we continue to be transformed each and every day as we allow Jesus Christ through the power of Holy Spirit to transform us? Are we reflecting the love, grace, and mercy that he'd poured out upon us? Or are we caught? Are we in bondage? Think about that man and church that Kyle Altman spoke of. Just going through the motions. Our bondage often doesn't look like the bondage the Galatians experienced, but it's bondage all the same. Is Holy Spirit speaking to you now? And you realize you don't know the true freedom that we've been speaking about this evening. I want to ask you, are we committed and submitted fully to the Lord Jesus Christ? This is an all-or-nothing situation. We cannot serve two masters. We cannot confess one sin or submit part of our lives to Jesus. He commands all of us. We cannot have a sin and then habitually do something else. What are we holding back? Are we submitted fully to Jesus? Do we believe in and claim the promises of Scripture? It was Jesus who defeated Satan. If we're living for Him, He will give us the power, the ability and desire to sanctify our lives, to be set apart and used as holy instruments in His hands. So many are enslaved by our feelings and thoughts. And we can't accept Jesus can transform us. If that is you, you're in bondage. Christ has promised to set us free. It's a failure to believe in and claim the love of Christ. He loves you. Him dying on the cross for your sins when you did not even recognize him is a clear indication of his great love for you. He sees you. He loves you. He wants you. If you turn to Jesus, he will love you, forgive you, and embrace you. When we believe in His love for us, submitting to Him, He empowers us, motivates us, and prompts us to turn from sin. Are we determined to build an intimate relationship with God? when we do this we become more aware of what causes us to behave in certain ways and he lovingly reveals the hurts of our past our ungodly desires our self-serving attitudes and he calls us to lay them at the foot of the cross the greatest bondage we experience is that which we have in not knowing our creator he is constantly calling It is in truly knowing him that we're able to overcome the lies we tell ourselves, the things we foolishly believe to be true, and all that calls us to run from him or turn from him. We need to depend fully on God. This involves humbling ourselves before him. And so many point out the need of others to be humble and fail to see their own need they're showing such pride and arrogance in pointing out the fallacies of others. God calls all of humanity to humble themselves before him. It's about acknowledging his way is the only way. We need to make our plans with God in mind and we need to seek his wisdom, guidance and blessing in all we do. We should never act on our own strength or ability. It's about a moment by moment submission to him. And it's when I submit to him that he can use me the most. Christ has set you free. Trust him. Submit yourself afresh to him. Even tonight, he loves you and he wants the very best for you. He will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. This is our God. Let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you for that love that is so beyond reason, a love I don't fully understand. But I thank you, you do love us, Lord. And I thank you, you have set us free. You've set us free from the bondage of sin and death. No one and nothing could ever do that for us. And I pray for everyone who hears my voice, they may know that afresh and anew tonight, Lord, and they may submit themselves fully to you. Father, take this word and use it for your glory and purposes, I pray. Minister to each one as they have need. Through power of Holy Spirit, I ask.